you're listening to In Focus by MarketScale, a podcast by video professionals for video professionals, putting in focus the topics, teachers, and tips guiding today's video industry. With your host, MarketScale's Senior Director of Video Production, Josh Brummett. Hey everyone, welcome to the In Focus podcast where we talk about anything and everything in the video production industry. Today I have with us, uh, straight from MarketScale, uh, Dylan Tidmore, who is an awesome DP, an awesome director. He does a lot of our shoots here at MarketScale. And uh, something about Dylan is he is awesome speaking with talent, he's awesome speaking with clients, and he does a great job on set. So I wanna have him to come in here and speak his knowledge on you guys uh, about directing on set, and sharing your vision to the talent and crew. So, hey, Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for that introduction, and thanks for inviting me on your podcast. Of course, of course. So, uh, let's talk about it. So, what you know, how long have you been doing film and video? Great question. I think I've been doing video for about five years now, almost six. Uh, so, I started um, in college, actually. Uh, you know, a lot of filmmakers start when they were, you know, they talk about having like a DV camera when they were kids. Um, ours was broken. So I actually did acting for a very long period of time. And then I hit a point, a turning point in college when I realized that I wanted to be on the other side of the camera. And so I just took it from there. Okay. So you went from acting to actually being on the other side of the camera because you had a broken camera when you were a kid, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I liked being a ham on stage. There's a certain amount of validation as a child that you get when everyone laughs at your jokes or, you know, applauds a performance. And, uh, yeah, it's just, a uh, it's an awesome experience. Okay, there you go. Yeah, well, um, being behind the camera is totally different. I mean, what's really cool is you've kind of done both. You've been able to kind of do a little bit of acting and experience what it's like to be in front of the camera. So I bet that allows you to have a lot of intuition on helping people understand what you're trying to do when you're behind the camera. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest things about uh, being directed is you want so badly to understand the direction that you're being given. And if it's not straightforward, precise, with a, a clear goal in mind, uh, you, you, you'll flounder or you'll try to come up with something that is forced, uh, unnatural, and something that uh, the director didn't really want in the first place. And I think something that a lot of people don't realize is when you're that director, you have to make sure that the talent understands your perspective. And not only the perspective, but understanding the whole vision. And that's what a lot we're going to talk about today is is the vision and creating that vision and making sure that your talent and crew understand the vision. Um, but, you know, like you're kind of mentioning, you got to be able to understand the perspective of what you're trying to come across. And then if you understand that from the – and if you're a good director, you're able to communicate that. You're trying to – you communicate the feeling. You communicate – the, uh, the the experience that you're trying to convey, and that's what allows the actor or the talent to be you know successful. Uh, but yeah, let's start about vision. Um, obviously, when you're a director, you have to have a vision. You have to know what you want it to feel like and look like and sound like. You got to have all that in your mind, and you got to be able to put that all into paper. So you know, from someone that actually does a lot of our script writing and, and producing concepts and directing, how do you even start coming up with a vision? When I'm coming up with a script, I want to be able to sell an emotion or a feeling that goes along with what the client wants. Uh, I can use an example from one of our clients who uh, sells glassboards. And selling a glassboard with emotion behind it is kind of an interesting feat. But we identified who uses glassboards. Uh, and one of those groups that use the glassboards are artists. And uh, we have a ver our very own artist in our company 
Kiera Thomas, who's a graphic designer. So we made a portrait piece about her. And we sold this idea of, you know, she's a uh, an analog artist originally, and she had to transition to a digital landscape uh, when she joined MarketScale. And that transition is, is very different. Uh, the way that you sculpt art uh, with paint uh, and then transitioning over to Photoshop where it's a bunch of ones and zeros. It's a very interesting way how we express ourselves uh, through different mediums. And so we filmed her using Claris glass boards as well as utilizing other mediums and expressing um, that. So you basically went down there and you tried to help. You, you The whole goal was how do we express this? the goal of telling the story of a glass board through an artist that uh, and try to invoke an emotion like, like you know you had to come up with the story and the theme behind it and so what was that theme with Kira as an artist and how do you kind of connect the artist aspect of things to the actual product and actually make something that makes sense and it's not just artistic yeah so with Kira she has a very interesting personality uh, she's of she's a person of few words but she lets her art express herself and that was that was the theme for the video uh, she has just a very vibrant personality, and her art expresses that very vividly, too. Bright colors, bold strokes. Uh, her work is amazing. And so by highlighting that personality from her and, uh, and having Claris Glassboards be the avenue in which she could also express herself, that created a really great merge of emotion as well as, um, you know, delivering... Uh, a, a concept of of their product and the ways in which different people can can utilize their uh, their products, and so it was a it was a really great testament to the ability of our product our production team as well as uh, the client's willingness to explore something uh, that is a little bit uh, you know less traditional than other corporate pieces. You know, we could have had someone. Uh, just stand in front of the camera and talk about the glass boards, but we figured this was a much stronger avenue to follow, and uh, we were right. Yeah, so I, I know getting the having that vision is important. Um, and then once you have that vision, you've kind of developed your theme, you have your big idea. Now you got to start putting it together, not only for yourself and your own sanity, but also for the crew to understand and your talent to starting to understand. So what to, what to you, and I know a lot of people, especially in our podcast, are probably familiar with different pre-production documents like scripting and storyboards and all that stuff. But what kind of, what's probably the most important part of pre-production to you and helping translate that vision to the rest of the crew? Well, for, for certain, uh, and one of the first documents that you're going to produce is a script. Uh, obviously, you have to identify uh, what's going to be said, uh, but even further than that, a split script is very strong because not only are you producing the words and the audio that's going to be playing, uh, but you're also producing the visuals that you would like to appear side by side with uh, that audio. So when someone looks at your document, they're getting an audiovisual experience that they can create in their head. And then that's also a really strong uh, piece of material that others can use to also influence the final product. You know, if I read a split script, I'm going to be filling in the void with images that I'm producing in my head, as well as you are going to be producing certain images or other audio, you know, little sound bites that you're going to be producing in your head. And so that collaboration and coming together to create that final product and, and honing uh, those pre-production materials will ultimately allow everyone to have the same visual 
um, and concept going into the production. Yeah, and as a video professional, you know, when you're actually there shooting it and you're seeing this split script and you're having these documents, it really makes sense to kind of see where the director is going with it. But something I know you and I deal with a lot in commercial corporate work is sometimes we're dealing with people on camera, whether it be an interview or whether it be just in, during B-roll, where they are not talented. They don't know. They've never been in video before. So that to me is one of the hardest things to do is have someone that's never been part of video understand the vision and what you're trying to get them to say or do. Because oftentimes, if you want the video to be the best it can be, you kind of got to get that that perfect balance of like canned questions, but also it coming across naturally. So what do you do to get these people that have never been on video to understand the vision and help be good on-screen talent? Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a really good question because uh, as soon as you say that, I you know I'm thinking of at least a dozen examples of someone, uh, you know either reading a line that we have already written out for them and it feels canned and it feels, you know, too strict and, uh, and, uh, and, and tight lipped. And so we, uh, first off, you want to be able to tell the client that, uh, you know, they can make mistakes. First off, you want to make them comfortable. That's, that's the one thing that I notice whenever we start shooting is they, they're too tense. You know, you have to, you have to let them, uh, loosen up a little bit. And that, that comes in with establishing rapport. And, you know, e that phrase alone already feels clinical, but you really just need to, you know, cut a rug with them, you know, shoot them straight, talk a little bit about yourself and, and your goals for the day. Do you and, have any go-to things you'll, you'll talk to them about to kind of get them loosen up? Um, you know, I like to tell, tell them stories of, of something that's, you know, maybe not necessarily embarrassing, but a little bit, uh, uh, you know, a, a funny story of mine. Or, uh, you know, if I had, uh, you know, a heck of a time trying to find my way into the building, I'll make a joke about, you know, my parking or something like that. Yeah. Really, really anything. So you it, call it, them the air. You make sure that it, your, your environment's like, it's not, like you're trying to make the shoot not feel serious. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I could, I could sit in a chair and I could, you know, be very terse with them and be very, you know, uh, rigid uh, in order to like feel, you know, like professional. A professional. Or... Yeah, exactly. But what I've found mo mo most of the time is that people just want to, you know, have, a, have an experience yeah. truly, you know, it's not just about the video. Right. Um, so you could produce a $5,000 video, but if they had a horrible time filming it at the end of it, it's not, it's not worth $5,000 anymore. Um, because every time they think about that video or watch it, they're not going to be left with a great feeling of, uh, of knowing that you provided them an A1 service from start to finish. There's been times when I've been interviewing someone and I want them to say something very particular. And, uh, and uh, you can't just have them just say it out loud. So sometimes what I'll try to do is I'll think of a way to ask the question but spark an emotion. Instead of saying like, you know, why, why are you doing this job or why do you, why are you, um, why are you, like, why do you, why are you an engineer? Like, why do you do engineering for your job? I usually, I'll try to say something a little bit more, get them, their brain going a little bit more saying like, why do you wake up every day and come to your job? Why do you get up out of the morning and come here versus any other place in the world? And typically they can give a little bit better response back saying it's more emotional because getting out of bed sucks. No one wants to get out of bed, but People get out of bed and go to a job every day, and there and for them to be at a job, there has to be something there that keeps pulling them in, and hopefully that gives a more real answer. 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's really easy to ask, you know, so why'd you choose engineering? Well, I, I went to college and I applied for engineering and I got in and, you know, it seemed like a good career path. That tells me nothing about you, except for, you know, you're a smart, smart person. Um, so absolutely. What I, what I try to do, uh, one of the best questions that you can ask is, is your work rewarding? They're going to say yes. So then you say, why? And that's a tough question. Why is your work rewarding? Like, I, I don't, you know, if you ask me that right now, I'd be able to come up with a response, but it actually requires me to really think internally and come up with some emotion. You know, you have to have an ulterior motive to, to, to do what you do every single day, you know, because it, it transcends just the work that you're completing. It also fulfills something inside of you. And that's ultimately what we're trying to get out of, out of uh, our talent on screen as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And having that real emotion is what sets it apart. Having some like a lot of times when you're just trying to do an interview, you're trying to just talk. And a lot of times people try to have these ideas in their head, what they want to say, what they think they should say. But in reality, we want to know the real stuff. Like we want to know if like engineering might be very, very hard. Like you might struggle with it. You might really have a difficult time to do it. But then all of a sudden, you know, a project will come to you and and then that's when you get passionate about it. And you may spend two days working and you can't get anything done. So you don't know where to go. And then all of a sudden one day it comes to you and then you spend an extra two hours at work because you're now you're, you're in the zone, you're in the groove. You know, there's just different ways that people can be honest about the way they, they do their, their, what they do. And even if it's not just about their work, it could be about anything in life. You know, it could be about why they have a dog versus a cat. You know, there's so many different ways. And I think if people asking the right question, and sparking the emotion is what gives typically the best responses. You want them to kind of feel it in the question and not just the what answers. You want to hit, that, hit those whys. And I think that's a good point you made. And to add on top of that, you know, we're not trying to make a video essay. You know, we're not trying to just have Q and A purely. You know, you want to have a conversation at the end of the day because that's the most honest form of conversation that you can have, you know, is... Uh, you know, a give and take. And so being able to see the person eye to eye and have a certain sort of rapport where everything kind of falls away. That's the best, that's the best interviews I've ever gotten is where the camera kind of, they don't really notice the camera too much. The lights kind of fade away. And then it's just you and the other person being able to talk one-on-one -on -one and, and get to the root of, of the goal. So there's been times when I've been interviewing people or even just doing, you know, like act, you know, talent on screen, trying to talk about stuff. And, um, you know, I was really struggling with asking the question and getting the right response out of them. They're just very stiff. And um, I tried doing different things. Like I tried using – a lot of times you can go a different route and ask the question in a different way. Like, for example, if what – you know, if I were to ask you, you know, what gets you out of bed every day – you might just be like really tired and say, I don't know, I want to go back to bed. You know, but what if I ask the question, why are you passionate about blank? Why are you passionate about engineering? You might actually say, okay, then it, you're, you know, rephrasing the question a different way might get your brain thinking and everybody's different. But the other thing that I've done, well, even if that is struggling, is sometimes I've even turned like physically said cut and then I like, or, you know, or maybe sometimes I'm like, hey, keep, I'll like tell the person to keep rolling or whatever. I'll do the hand motion. And then I'll like actually stand up and like walk around and just say, all right, let's take a break real quick. And then I'll have like the other shooter while we're still rolling, go get some water or something. And I'm like, I'm like, so, and I'll just start talking to him. Like, so, you know, what, what are you, like, how long have you been here? And, you know, I'll start very casual at first and then I'll just keep talking to him for a bit. And event, you'll be amazed when someone thinks the camera's not rolling, what people will say. And I actually did like, 
we did probably a 20 minute interview with this guy trying to get him to say the right things. And he was a CEO of a company, really passionate about, uh, about technology, big innovator, one of the most interesting men I've ever met in my entire life. And I couldn't get him to say any of the stuff that he, I talk about his life that he does outside, all the stuff he does with his company, all this innovation he's created. And as soon as that camera, I told him the camera was off and the other shooter went to go get some coffee. The dude talked for 20, 30 minutes about the coolest stuff. And we got the coolest interview because of it. But it's like sometimes you just got to like kind of sadly trick them into it, you know? Yeah, no, um, you know, one of the best things to do as well is, uh, you know, tell them, all right, we're almost wrapped up. Uh, let's see, do I have any other questions? Uh, you know, as soon as you say that you're about to be done, it, it shifts entirely. It, they're like, oh, God, yeah, I'm almost out of the hot seat. Thank God, you know, and they light up. It's like you can see a whole energy shift, especially in those type A personalities. You know, CEOs, I've I've interviewed doctors uh, plenty of times before in the past as well. Man, they they hang up on the like they say one um and they're like, now nah, we got to scratch it and they'll start back over from from the beginning. And it's like, man, you know, you got to first off, you need to understand our editing process and understand that mistakes are totally OK and natural. Uh, nobody's perfect, obviously. Um, but just just saying, yeah, let's see uh, any final final thoughts, final questions. Oh, yeah, I had one more. You know, <laughs> why do you have a dog instead of a cat? And then, you know, they they loosen up and, and they'll. You give them an inch, they'll, they'll take a mile in the best meaning possible. You know, they'll, they'll they'll really warm up to the interview after that. Man, it is so rewarding once you get them to go to that point. It's awesome. Yeah. For those up-and-coming directors out there, what are some of the things that you kind of went through and learned for, over the years? So one, one pet peeve of mine uh, that young directors will do is they'll say, awesome, let's do it again. Well, if it was awesome in the first place, then they wouldn't have to do it again. And so... I think being more direct with their with their critiques is really important. You know, keep in mind we're we're dealing with people who are professionals in their career. They've been in their line of work for, you know, almost decades. They can handle some criticism and they appreciate that honesty as well. Uh, so, you know, that's that's one pet peeve is is being uh, uh you know, too nice uh in, in replacement of, you know, just giving honest critique. Um, another one is not knowing what you want. You know, there's there's nothing worse than being on set and not knowing what the next shot's going to be or the next take uh, should look like. And the client can pick up on that doubt or, or that panic, maybe. And, you know, it's it's infectious. You know, so you, you have to be calm and collected on that shoot day. Uh, even if, even if your, your, your brain is like sending off red sirens, you know, there's been times where like a client's doing something and I have this really cool idea and the client's doing it. And I'm like, Oh, this just is not working out. And in my, and I'm like, usually people can read my face pretty well. When I get, when I'm kind of at like a roadblock and I don't know the next steps, I'm always trying to think of that next step. And I see it on my face and I, and I kind of realize, oh, crap, this is not working out. I don't know where to go from here. I have to – it's very tough for me. It's probably the one thing that I still struggle with the most is something that's not working, you know, moving uh, – making a decision quickly. But what I found on that end is sometimes just taking a second and uh, say, hey, let's take a quick quick break and uh, get a drink of water real quick. Let my, my brain kind of process what's not working and try to think of the next steps or think how can I fine-tune this shot to look a little bit better – often does that to me. That way I don't just stand there saying, ooh, this isn't working. And then you keep and then wasting time trying new things so it works. Let yourself get out of the pressure, 
get yourself back cool, calm and collected and cool and, and think about what actually works and what makes sense. One of the things that really bothers me that I still do sometimes that I did for a very long time is the, uh, that was uh, the one more time. <laughs> All right, you did awesome. Let's <laughs> do it again. We just, let's just do it one more time. And then they mess up again. They're like, All right, one more time. And then they do it and mess up again. Okay, sorry, this is the last time. <laughs> and then they mess up again. They're like, oh, crap, I've already used it the last time. You know, just you never know how many takes it's going to take. And uh, and I think that's just one of those things where you got to just be very careful to make sure that you're not, you know, right. saying one more time or this is the last time. Just I mean, say roll it again if you yeah. have to. Like, like, let's do it again. Yeah. And of course, it's always a positive thing if you want to try something again. You know, you never want to be like, all right, roll it again. You never want to be frustrated, of course. It's, it's always you're there to deliver uh, an excellent video. And it's going to take however many takes it, it needs to be. So, yeah, keeping keeping calm and collected and being enthusiastic about rolling it again, that goes a really long way with the client because it also relieves them the pressure of having to perform immediately for you. Exactly. And one of the last things I kind of think about is sometimes you're your own enemy. Sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're not that cool and collected, when you're kind of stressed out, you sometimes sabotage things. Sometimes, you know, you might even see this in Hollywood sets where you have a director that's trying to be too power hungry. He's trying to purposely take control of everything or sometimes just not understanding kind of what you want to do. There's so many ways where you kind of sabotage yourself and, you, and, and showing that emotion will sometimes sabotage your crew or the people in front of the camera. So I think sometimes you got to take a look at yourself. And if you need to take a second to step out you know, take a break and recollect your thoughts. Or and I think that's the big part of it. You mentioned earlier, and that's one of your strengths as a director is being cool, being collected. Everything's going great. We know what to do. Let's keep on track. You know, just moving things forward because everybody's going to have that feeling of everything's great and they're going to feel relaxed. And sometimes, you know, we do that. We've done it, been there where we kind of sabotage ourselves in a way. You know what I, you know what I do sometimes? This is, this is like an insider tip. I'll totally think... If I was Matthew McConaughey, what would I do right now? All right, yeah, all, all right, right, all right, all right. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, and I think about like how would Matthew McConaughey get out of this situation, and he'd be as cool as a cucumber, man. Like you know, and and I try to think, you know, uh, you know, someone, someone who is a, a calmer person than I, how would they act? And that that has helped me so many times because it, first off, it also gets you out of your own head. And think, all right, what would what would this person do? You know, one of your idols, one of your uh, your heroes that you look up to, and that help that helps so much. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey. Is yeah, a try good, or a good, Keanu Reeves. You know, yeah. that's a good one they, too. You have Keanu on one shoulder and Matthew McConaughey on the other, and yeah. they're just talking to your ear. And back if Matthew and forth. doesn't work, you switch to Keanu. And then yeah. if you know Keanu doesn't work, then you you, you switch to you know. Buddha. I don't know. <laughs> Buddha. Okay, there you go. Awesome Be one with everything. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for hopping on. Thank I you think so it was much. a really good conversation. It was fun talking about some of the uh, different things, mistakes we made early on in our career, and things we might even still do occasionally, but we're working on it. Uh, but yeah, I, for all of you guys out there that are looking to do more directing on set, I uh, hope this was some good information. Um, I appreciate you guys being on this podcast. And until next week, we're excited to have you on. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.